This week on a replay episode of The Breakup Breakdown. I am a strong, faithful Mormon girl. You get married young. I'm marrying my high school best friend. Oh my gosh, like this is perfect. During the time we dated from when we got married, he said, hey, I need to tell you something. I've worked through this with my bishop, so I don't think it's going to be an issue. To a 20-year-old girl who has grown up in this Mormon religion her whole life can mean anything. This week we are talking about how religion plays a role in who you are and your relationships and how sometimes you have to start from the ground up to figure out who you are and where your religion fits into your life or if it does at all. Hey, it's Abby from The Breakup Breakdown. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Hey, if you like this podcast, if you've been enjoying it, I always appreciate it when I see positive reviews left wherever you listen. Also, we'd love it if you'd follow us on Instagram at Breakup Breakdown Podcast. And if you're curious about any couples, you want to know how they broke up or if you have your own breakup story or if you're curious about a friendship split, you know, all those good stories. There is a submission form in this episode description. One last thing if there's a part of the interview you want to jump to you can check the timestamps also in the episode description hey heartbreakers welcome back to another episode of the breakup breakdown with me abby and i am lexi and this week it's getting very exciting well i'm at least very excited about it because i've been waiting <laughs> i've been waiting for that <laughs> been waiting. here's my cheesy just joke say it, just say i've it. been waiting for a byu-esque mormon utah provo story for as long as an 18 year old mormon has waited for their wedding night oh my <laughs> i cannot believe we've made it this far without a BYU traumatized story. Yeah. How have we made it this far? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like there's been a couple of times where I'm like waiting to hear like a hook like that, but yeah. we've got there. We're here. We've had we've had other religious trauma. We've had plenty of just regular, regular Christian trauma. <laughs> what haven't we covered at this but point? But we're about to spice it up a little bit with uh, with some Mormon flavor, but before we get into before we get into the submission, I want to let you know about the domestic violence shelter that we are supporting this week that I am personally making a monetary donation to. This week, we are donating to a shelter in Lexington, Kentucky. I chose Kentucky because it is the second highest rate of domestic violence in the country. Lexington was a city that I knew a lot of people lived in in my own personal life, so I chose that city. Just wanted to let you know that if you choose to donate your own time, your own money, your own resources to the shelter, we're going to put the link for that in the episode description. So now into the submission. Here into we the go. Tea. Into the tea. So here's what I've got. The submission says that this person knows this girl from school. I grew up in the Mormon church and in high school, the girl this person is submitting about had this best, best guy friend. Best, best guy friend. Best, best, best guy friend. I feel like that's a key factor. Continue. (laughs) Emphasis on the best guy friend. So they grow up, go their separate ways and end up getting engaged and married at some point in their early 20s. Time goes by. They have a child together and then all of a sudden they're divorced and she's now engaged to one of her former exes. What happened? I'm dying to know. Young marriage, divorce with an ex, Mm -hmm. which I mean that's the thing. If you're getting married at that low of an age and you're now seen with an ex like you're dating that person at a young age divorce is also so taboo in the mormon church and the christian church but in the mormon churches right, especially like because here's the thing about mormon dating when you get married the church literally says this is the person you are going to spend the rest of your eternity with. right yeah. like it is a huge commitment mm-hmm. so then to break it off is like huge but then also to, i'm assuming this person maybe at some point broke off from the mormon church i mean you would have to right i mean if that's what is frowned upon but if it was one of their exes maybe it was just kind of like a switcheroo <gasps> Ooh, could you imagine if it was like wife swap? But 
Mormon wife swap. <laughs> Mormon wife swap. Maybe. Or husband. Husband swap. Mormon husband, and husband swap. swap. But the best, best guy friend. That's what's throwing me off here. What happened to this best, best guy friend? Are they still besties? And Is if anyone's still besties after the show? <laughs> after the, after we tear apart their breakup. Yeah, so we're going to find out what happened to this best friendship turned marriage turned divorce. Are they still friends? What could have broken them up? They were going to spend eternity together. Let's break down this week's breakup. So I met my ex-husband when I was 15 years old. I was at this thing we have here in Utah, and I know they have them um, in other states for the LDS youth, but they're called steak dances. What it is basically is you have a ward. Your ward is who you meet with on Sundays, and then a steak, which is built up of multiple wards. So we had steak dances, and it was with many different steaks in the area, many different steaks and wards. And I went and I met my ex-husband, and I just thought he was cute at first. And then two months later, we started high school. I had like this falling out with the group of friends that I was with. And I had met this girl in my health class. And she was like, hey, you should come sit with me and all my friends at lunch. And I was like, okay, cool. My ex-husband was in this group of friends. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like that's the guy that I met at the steak dance a couple months ago. I was like, I want to be his friend because I really like him. In Mormon culture, you're really not supposed to date till you're 16 years old. Me wanting to be like perfect. I was like, okay, we can be friends. And then when I turned 16, we can date. I tried so, so hard to be his friend and we became like best friends. It was later that year, right before I turned 16, he was like, hey, I've heard that you had a crush on me. And he's like, I don't want to break your heart. Like, that's just what he said. And he's like, so we can just still be friends. And so I was like, okay. And I told him, I was like, that's not going to stop me from having a crush on you, but okay. (laughs) Like, nice try, buddy, but I'm still hopelessly in love with you. Yeah. I actually had a friend's older sister tell me, she's like, hey, maybe it's not your guys' time to date now, but like maybe your senior year. We started our senior year of high school and I was like, oh my goodness, we might date this year because of the one thing my sister's friend told me way back when. It's game time, buddy. Let's go. Spoiler, we didn't end up dating our senior year of high school. Ended up dating somebody else who's actually my now fiance, which is a whole nother story. We will revisit that at some point in this interview. Did you not date because you started dating this other person? What ended up happening was I was the vice president of our Glee Club. The other boy that I ended up dating, he was in Glee Club and I was the tallest girl and he was the tallest guy. So we got paired together and I was like, oh my goodness, like he's really cute. I was like, my ex-husband's not gonna do anything. So I'm just gonna start pursuing this guy. And he thought I was really cute too. And so we dated. Wow. A a true Glee love story if I've ever heard one. Yes. Unfortunately, the Mormon storyline didn't make it on Fox, but maybe if they do a reboot, we can we can get this in. Exactly. You date your now fiance, but back then boyfriend, and this guy is just sort of like looming in the back. Did he swoop in now that he's kind of jealous? Yes. It was later. It was later that year we worked together. One of my friends goes, told me he has a crush on you. And I was like, my ex-husband. And I was like, what? I was like, no. I was like, it's not, no, it's not possible. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, we're best friends. That ship has sailed. Like he told me no chance, no way. So we graduate high school and we're hanging out one summer night, me and my ex-husband. He goes, Hey, I need to tell you something. And I was like, okay, what? He's like, remember when we went on a date back in January? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you had just barely started dating me. 
and goes, okay, so like, I like you too. And I was so mad. I was so mad. Like I didn't talk to him for probably like a week. Are you just mad at him because he's waited until you've gotten a boyfriend to say this? Or are you mad because now you have these two conflicting feelings? Like what was happening with you? It was both. So I was really mad that he'd like waited to say anything until this point. But also like there's these conflicting feelings here. I have this boyfriend and mind you, my boyfriend at the time, me and him talking about getting married. And so it's like my future is set. This doesn't happen with everyone, but it was really prevalent in the community I grew up in. 98% of the people are LDS. And it was very, you get married young. That's kind of what we did. So the fact that like I was only 18 years old and I'm making plans with my boyfriend, who's going to be serving a two-year LDS mission for when he comes home, we're going to get married. Like I was hyped. I was psyched. Yes. My future set, going to get married, going to have babies. Yes. And now you're coming in and saying, Hey, I like you. So I was just kind of like, well, I'm waiting for on his mission and you can go on your mission and I'm going to live my life. And if I end up dating someone while both of you are on your mission, like whatever. I was very set on my boyfriend, like very, very set. But I also wanted to keep a very open mind. There's a lot of girls in the LDS religion who will wait for a missionary. They'll wait the full two years and they'll get married when their missionary comes home. There are some who don't date at all the whole two years they're gone. And then there's some who do date. And I was like, I'm going to date because God has this other place plan for me. Like I'm not going to miss out on it. Last question before we move forward with the story. Was there any part of you that thought, well, why don't we just get married before you go on mission? Oh yeah. Before he left on his mission, like we, we talked about it. What if you don't go on a mission? What if we just get married? He was like, yeah, I guess. But his family was so you need to go on a mission and he didn't want to disappoint his family. So you don't go on the mission if you get married. Yeah. To me, if I'm like an 18 year old boy, I'm thinking, well, let me get out of this mission thing. Let me just like get hitched to my girl. Girlfriend. What is the significance of going on this mission for Mormons? It's a two-year proselyting mission. So it's basically to preach and teach the gospel and to convert people to the religion. If it's meant to be, you'll come home, we'll get married. We were pretty sure it was meant to be what we call, we call it dear Johnning, which is sending a letter and like breaking up with your missionary. So I ended up dear Johnning my missionary, my boyfriend. I was just like, hey, because I had met another boy in college and I was like, hey, I just kind of want to be friends right now, kind of see what else is out there. And I'll still write you and email you, but we'll talk more when you get back. And like, he was really cool. He was like, yeah, totally. Like I'm going to focus on my mission. We'll talk when I get home. He took that very well. So I'm writing my ex-husband telling him all this stuff that's going on. And he writes me and says, Hey, I'm in love with you. I want to date you when I get home. And this was like a year into his two year mission. Now that he's like, okay, well, I want to get married to you. Are you thinking, well, I thought I was going to be dating for these two years. Are you still set on doing that? Or are you like, hell no, like I'm going to marry this guy. So what I told him back is I was like, you want to know what? I was like, I love you. I've never stopped loving you. I would love to date you when you get home. Let's keep writing and see where we're at when you get home. What was it about this guy that just had you so enthralled with him? I don't know. He's nice. He's still just like very nice. If you see my now fiance, you would be like, no, you don't like baby faces. I just love baby faces. And he just had a little baby baby face. I don't know. I was so in love with him. <laughs> I get the boyish look. And I think sometimes I mentioned to you this earlier about how it's funny how like our infatuations in our youth just stick with us. I think a lot of it sometimes it has to do with someone fitting our physical type. Like we just yeah. get so excited about someone fitting like the vision in our head of who we'll end up with. I definitely <laughs> struggle with that. And I think a lot of people can relate to that too. Okay. So now you're writing your future husband and not in like a fake Christian girl sense in like a literal sense. He's going to come home and you're going to date this man. How 
where does the story go from there? So from here, I pretty much do not date anyone from the time he said that he was in love with me to the time he gets home. And like when we would write back and forth in his letters, he would be like, I know how I'm going to propose to you. I can't wait till I get home. Just like all this stuff. I'm 18, 19 years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is perfect. I'm going to get married and I'm marrying my high school best friend. This is what everybody wants. You're living the dream. You're living the Mormon dream. Exactly. So he comes home from his mission and we start dating. Things just happened really fast from there. Within six weeks, we were engaged. And 10 weeks after that, we were married. Now, during the time we dated from when we got married, he said, hey, I just need to tell you. He's like, I worked through it with my bishop, which the bishop is a man that's called of God that presides over the ward. Okay. If you have any sins that you need to confess, like it all goes through the bishop. So you do almost like Catholic confession with this man? A little bit. Very similar, kind of not at the same time. From what I understand with Catholic confession, like you go and confess to a priest, but you're like not necessarily looking at each other. Like you could be in two separate rooms or whatever. When you're confessing to a bishop, you are in a room, sitting across a desk from each other, looking at each other. Like it's it's a big deal. So it's almost more intense than confession, you could say. Yes. Now I've also heard, I saw this on TikTok the other day where somebody was talking about sort of the premarital process when it comes to your bishop and how there's a spectrum of leniency. Like there are some bishops where it's like, if you say that you had sex before you got married, like you're not allowed to get married in the temple. Where did your bishop fall on that spectrum? Well, that's funny that you say that because we had a singles ward bishop. So singles ward is kind of where all the young adults go when they're single to find their spouse. So our first bishop that we met with, it was very like no sex before marriage. Every bishop I've encountered has been like that. So we rented an apartment before we got married and I lived in it. Before we got married, I lived alone. Our bishop was just like, yeah, just make sure you guys are being careful and not getting into any trouble and not breaking the law of chastity, which the law of chastity is no sex before marriage, no touching, no clothes off. No soaking as the BYU kids say. Oh yes, exactly. We can talk about that towards the end, but I want to continue the story. Okay. So your bishop is just kind of, don't, don't get crazy. Just, you know, yeah. keep, keep your clothes on, keep your hands to yourself. Exactly. That's where you guys are at. So my ex-husband, he said, Hey, I need to tell you something. I've worked through this with my bishop, so I don't think it's going to be an issue, but I have same sex attraction, which to a 20 year old girl who has grown up in this Mormon religion her whole life can mean anything. When you say it can mean anything, what does that mean? Same sex attraction. Like I think girls are pretty. I have same sex attraction in that sense. Spoiler. I had no idea this meant he was full on gay. Gotcha. Okay. So you're thinking this is just something he's working through and he's just trying to be open and communicate that with you. Yes, correct. And we were told by multiple leaders of our church that if we believe and trusted in God, things will work out and it won't be an issue. Okay. So you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to full send this no matter what. At least he's communicating with me. You know, he's talking to Mr. Bishop man. I'm like, yes, if I believe in God, we're going to be fine. Like I am a strong, faithful Mormon girl. We're going to be good. We get married every once in a while. Things would like creep up where it would like make me anxious. We were just living our little happy 20 year old married lives. What's something that would creep up and make you anxious? There's like this voice in the back of my head that says, hey, like, remember when he said that? There's so many things that that could mean. Does he like guys? How much does he like guys? Who is he attracted to? Was there anything that he did that might have tipped you off during that time? No. Gotcha. I should have seen it. I should have seen all the different signs and like, but again, if I trusted and believed in God, it wasn't gonna be an issue. So I ignored all the red flags, all any signs of anything. I'm assuming you're going through 
the premarital process, you're getting ready to get hitched. Is is that pretty much what happened? You just ignore everything and you just go through with the marriage? Yeah, go through with the marriage, get married. You know, we're just living our little happy 20-year-old married life. We got married like three days before I turned 21. We were still really little tiny babies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 21 is so young if you can't even drink at your own wedding, which I mean, I'm assuming at a Mormon wedding, you're not drinking anyway. But I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> to the rest of the world, I mean, that's a very young age to commit your life to somebody. But this is normal. In the Mormon culture, you're just like, this is just what you do. This oh, is yeah. what I'm in love with for my whole life. I mean, how long did this marriage last? Was everything pretty much normal for however long it was? Yeah. So about two years into our marriage, we had our daughter and we were both so excited because I've always wanted to be a mom my whole life. That's what I've been taught. You grow up, you get married, you have kids. So I was like, I was so excited to be a mom. We were so excited. What I didn't know is this is when he started struggling because I don't know what it was. For the next three years, like we were living pretty, I will say the next two years, we were living pretty okay. Did it feel like a normal marriage to you? Did you guys have normal intimacy, normal romantic interactions? Yeah. So it felt like a normal marriage up until about a year before we got divorced and we completely stopped being intimate with each other. But because I grew up in a religion where like I was really taught, you are there to do what your husband says and be submissive to your husband. I didn't say anything about it. I was just like, okay, this is just not a thing. Like I didn't say anything about it. Not even like three months in. I mean, is it not to get like super personal with you, but like, are you initiating and he's like, no, or you just kind of waiting for him to make the first move? Up until that point, I was mostly just initiating everything, but like, I didn't really see like a problem with it. Like I was like, oh yeah, like this is just how it is because this was like my first experience ever being intimate with someone. So I was like, oh, this is just how it is. Like, this is how it, you know, like supposed to go when he just like lost interest. Like I was like, okay, like he's lost interest. So I just like need to stop too. I didn't really stop. Cause like I would like do things. I like lost weight whenever I would do something differently with my hair or something. I'd be like, do you like my hair? Like I would do obvious things to just like make my husband notice me. You were trying to make him come to you essentially. Yes. What did the rest of that year look like? Do you feel like divorce is looming? Like where did the split come from? The split came out of nowhere. I didn't necessarily feel divorce was looming at all. So he went on a business trip with a coworker. This coworker was a brand new coworker and this coworker happened to be gay, just got married to his husband. And so my ex-husband opened up to him and said, Hey, I'm dealing with this. He's like, I'm, and he tells this guy, he goes, I'm gay. And he's like, and I am married and I don't know what to do essentially. So the coworker told him, you need to do what's going to make you happiest, which now that three years later, I look back at that and I'm like, of course he needs to do what makes him happiest. So he comes home from that business trip and we go on our five-year anniversary trip. We leave my daughter with my parents. She was like two, almost three. And we go on just like a five-year anniversary trip. We went and saw a play. Like we just, you know, we just had a ton of fun and it was on the way back. I'm stuck in the car with him for four hours that he just like drops this bombshell, but he doesn't mention divorce at this point. He just says, Hey, I was on my business trip. This is what I told my coworker. He said, I need to do what makes me happy. However, I want to see if I can make our marriage work. Well, yeah, because I mean, divorce in the church is a whole other taboo topic. So I'm sure he's seen how, how many sins can I avoid in this thing? Exactly. Me being, how old was I at the time? I was like five years. So I was like 26, 25, 26. I'm 
like, okay. By this time though, I wasn't going to church really anymore. By the, when I had my daughter, I stopped. I really stopped going to church. My, my ex-husband still went and like, he would go every Sunday and he would take my daughter sometimes. But like, I, I would go every once in a while, but like, I really did stop going to church. The little Mormon girl in me who wanted to have a happy eternal marriage was like, okay, yeah, like, yes, let's, let's make it work. Even though he like straight up said like, Hey, I'm gay. Like, I was like, yeah, let's make it work. Let's do it. What was it about having a child that made you stop going to church? I had my daughter and I was kind of thinking, where do I go from here? And how do I want to raise her? After I had my daughter, I felt like I completely lost myself because I was so young. I had this baby and like, I, I just didn't know what to do. And I was a stay at home mom. So like I stopped working full time and I'm going to therapy and my therapist was like, you need to strip away everything that you think makes you, you and find what actually makes you, you and makes you happy. So part of that was my religion. I found out my religion doesn't really make me happy. Almost like starting from scratch as a human. When your husband told you that he was gay or same-sex attraction or however he phrased it in the car with you, since you were on this personal journey of trying to figure out who you were and what your beliefs as an adult were, was there a part of you that was like, well, if you're gay, go out and be gay? Yeah. So I told him in that car ride, I was like, if you need to go be your true authentic self, I was like, please do it. But he was like, no, 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 no. He's like, I feel like I can be my true authentic self and really, really happy and stay married to you. And so I was like, okay. Why do you think he wanted to stay in this marriage? Even like with talking to him after, a lot of it had to do with the church because he he grew up in this church his whole life, like I did. And he loved this church and he wanted to be a part of it. And I think some of it too was he didn't want to disappoint his family either. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And I can imagine if you leave the Mormon church, you almost feel excommunicated from your community. Especially yes. if, you, if you're in Utah. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. To skip ahead a little bit, my ex-husband ended up removing his records from the church because he didn't want to get excommunicated. What does excommunicated mean? So excommunicated is, I don't know if I would say null your records, but they like remove your records from the church. If you like repent of your sins and you want to get rebaptized, you can. But like once they excommunicate you, like you can never join the Mormon church again. Well, you can as long as you repent of your sins. After this conversation in the car with your now ex-husband, what did life look like for you? So the next six weeks, because it was from the conversation to the time where he was like, hey, we need to get divorced. It was six weeks. So over the next six weeks, like that's when I kind of really stepped up as like just a female in general. And I said, look, if we're going to work on our marriage, I was like, we need to start being intimate with each other. We need to start being open with each other. If we're going to make this work, like we need to pretty much just lay it all out there. And so he was like, okay, I know some other couples that have done this too, but we would just be like, okay, like this day after goes to bed, like we're going to spend time with each other, like be intimate with each other. However, it was, <laughs> it didn't really work because he was having all these feelings of like, oh my goodness, this is who I really am. And it was a lot of pressure on him. He's sort of starting his own self-discovery while at the same time living in his old life. Yes. Our anniversary trip was at the end of May. So the first week of July, he had the whole week off of work and he looked at me and legitimately said, by the end of this week, I want 
want to have a decision made if we're going to stay married or not. Wow. I just get like so anxious because in the car, I was told, no, 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 no. I want to do everything that I can to make our marriage work. And like, if we trust in God, like it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, you're also putting him in a position to where if he does want to stay in this marriage, he can make that decision, but it doesn't seem like that's actually what he wants to do. So it only took two days into this week. We were lying in bed one night. We were talking. I was just like really anxious. And like, I was telling him, I was like, I just like feel I'm not enough. I was like, I don't like this. This is really scary. It was kind of out of the blue nowhere. Like he just like interrupts me and he goes, I think we need to get divorced. What was that moment like? I was, (laughs) I was hysterical because like this boy that I've pretty much dedicated a lot of my life to since I was 15 years old, here I am 10 years later, you know, I got everything I wanted in life and I never, ever thought I was ever going to get divorced. I was hysterical and I was like, okay. I didn't know what to say at that point. The next few days, like it was really hard to talk to each other because I was upset. And like, I told him, like I was sitting there just like bawling and he was like, what is wrong? And I was like, I don't want this. I don't want to get divorced. I don't want to, you know, like go through this. This is not what was supposed to happen in my life. I don't want to be a single mom. All he could do was look at me and be like, I'm sorry. How much of you not wanting to get divorced had to do with just not wanting to have to go through the actual difficulty of like processing the emotions and going through that and actually wanting to stay in the relationship? So I think a lot of it did because after that conversation, it took us probably two months to tell our friends and family that we were getting divorced. And I lived with him for six months after that. Okay, so you are now living with your soon-to-be ex-husband. And is he now out in the dating scene? Is he like, you know, for the first time dating men while you guys are getting a divorce? So he didn't start dating men until I moved out into my parents' house. Okay. Which was about six months after. He was like, hey, we need to get divorced. There was one phone call I remember. When I moved out, we would do whoever my daughter was with, she would FaceTime the other one before she went to bed. She was with me most of the time. So it was just one night she she goes to FaceTime her dad and like he wasn't at home, which like he didn't have to be at home, but like he was acting really weird on the phone. Like after this conversation, I stopped sitting in the room while my daughter FaceTimed her dad. He was acting really weird and like he was acting super duper rushed and like he hung up the phone really quickly. I texted him later that night and I said, hey, I was like, is the reason that you were acting so weird and really rushed on the phone tonight is because you're on a date. And I said, not that you're not allowed to be on a date. And I said, cause you are like, that's your, your choice, your life. And he was like, yeah, but like, I didn't want to miss her call. And I was like, if you are going out on a date, I was like, you need to call her before you go and say good night. And I said, cause that's really tough for me. I was like, you get to jump in and live your authentic life. And I said, while I am sitting here completely broken and picking up every single piece. And I was like, and you're just going off and doing whatever. A lot of people would tell me they would be like, oh, you should be like happy for him that he can live his most authentic best life. And like in return, you get to too. And I ended up telling someone, I was like, I am happy for him. Like I am happy that he gets to be who he is. And I said, however, I was like, not a lot of people talk about in these relationships where one spouse leaves because they're gay. Like people don't talk about the other spouse because people are celebrating this other person for coming out of the closet and living their most authentic life, which I think is great. 
and I love, and I think that they should be celebrated. However, I had to grieve in silence because anything I said, a lot of people looked at as like hate to him almost. That's interesting because I would have thought if you're living in Utah in a very Mormon culture and he comes out, I would think that it would almost be the opposite where they would be like, I mean, I don't want to be like they're shunning him, but I would think that he would be exiled from a lot of people. The religion I grew up in has this weird double standard because when we got divorced, I wasn't really going to church. And so because I wasn't going to church, nobody was paying attention to me. So when my ex-husband told our bishop that we were getting divorced, my bishop did everything he could to help my ex-husband, but like nobody in the ward did anything to help me. And then when I moved into my parents' house, it was kind of the same thing. Like nobody reached out and nobody offered like any help or anything like that, which is so different from what I was taught growing up. Now you also are like having to co-parent with somebody that you're no longer married to and grieving the life that you thought you would have, which is also another really difficult form of grief. You mentioned earlier that you have a fiance now. How did you end up reconnecting with your fiance? My fiance, he ended up getting married. So he went to BYU and um, met his now ex-wife in singles ward. Like if you don't get married to your high school sweetheart in Utah, you meet your spouse at BYU. The pressure cooker for young marriage. Yes. So he got married. And then one day my sister saw a picture and she's like, hey, like you should check up on and I was like, I don't know. And then I was like, no, I'm nosy. I'm totally going to do it. <laughs> I messaged him and I was like, hey, how are you? And he was like, oh, hey, like long time, no talk. How are you? Anyway, and so we were talking for a little bit. Like, you know, he was still married and I was like, I'm cool. Be married and <laughs> whatever. And then just a little while later, he was like, hey, he's like, I'm going through a divorce. Like, how did you get through that? And I was like, oh yeah, like I love to help. And then we ended up going on a date and then, it was here we are. <laughs> that is so scandalous. Two Mormon divorces and then together. Not only two Mormon divorces, but neither of us are Mormon anymore and we're getting married and we live together. Like that's very that is very scandalous. Don't yeah. tell the bishop. <laughs> Not to be like, are you still in Utah, but are you still in that region of where there's a lot of people in the LDS church? I am, yeah. My ex-husband is here too. It works. Some days it's hard because it's like, oh, I grew up in a religion that I'm no longer a part of and a religion that I don't really like. And we're surrounded by a lot of people who are a part of the religion. However, I feel like I've also found like my people. And so like whether they're LDS or not, you know, I've just found really accepting, awesome people. I mean, that's a pretty blunt statement to just be like, yeah, I don't like the religion I grew up with. What's the Sparknotes version of why you don't like your religion anymore? As a woman, I was really suppressed. I had this whole like, again, like you get married, you have kids and like that's your whole entire life life. I have friends who are my age 29 and they're a part of the religion and they're still not married. And like, they're like, sometimes I feel like bad or guilty because I'm 29 years old and I'm not married and I don't have kids. Women are really taught to be submissive to their husbands. Like what I experienced, women are not (laughs) supposed to, it's almost like we're supposed to be seen, not heard. So there was that. And then there was just the whole, I almost hate saying this, but I feel like I grew up in a cult. I mean, some of the stuff 
stuff I've heard on just TikTok that people yeah. are like. There's a lot of things that have changed over the years. The Hulu series Under the Banner of Heaven just finished. And that's actually a really good one to watch, in my opinion, because they talk a little bit more about that while still keeping it brief. Okay. Just because what happens in the temple is like to the LDS church, it's just very like sacred. So yeah, so it's just like, I don't like the religion because I felt like I was suppressed a lot of my life. And then here I am at 29 years old, not a part of this religion. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, even though I went through the whole, like finding myself thing and leaving the religion, I still feel like I'm in that phase of life because I'm like, I'm living this whole new life. This religion that was part of my life for 24 years is no longer there. Like before me and my fiance moved in together, I told my mom, I was like, I almost feel guilty moving in with because my whole life I was told that like this is a no-no. I think it's very ex exceptionally brave to have to leave your community and everything you've ever known. And like we talked about earlier, start from scratch. What are some of the new parts of yourself that you've discovered that you would have never found out about had you not left the church? A lot of it too was like pushed forward by my divorce as well because when I became a mom, I was a stay-at-home mom. I love being a mom and like I want so many more children because I I love being a mom so much. However, I did not realize how miserable being a stay-at-home mom made me. The religion I grew up in, now it doesn't say anywhere that moms have to be stay-at-home moms. However, it's strongly encouraged, at least I feel within the community. So like, you know, I was 24 years old, I became a stay-at-home mom and I was miserable. And so when I got divorced, I was like, I need to get a job. I need to step up and be like an independent woman. Must just be almost like a culture shock to live life on your own terms and to to get to have a job and have you know a purpose in life that isn't just raising children I also want to just touch briefly on just kind of deconstructing your relationship with religion and faith like what has that been like for you are you completely on the other end of the spectrum of like you're so hurt by the church that it's not something that you want involved in your life at all or are you kind of redefining what Christianity looks like to you so I no longer identify as a Christian I identify as um, agnostic I'm very much like believe in the universe and I'm very much like manifest, put good intentions out in the universe and you will get it back. However, I don't hate the LDS religion. I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Um, I have a lot of friends who are still a part of it, who we get along great. And we're on the terms of like, I respect you if you respect me. And if you ever want to chat about anything, like my doors open, you know, but deconstructing the religion in general, there was hard parts and there was easy parts. I feel like I was almost at the point where I was so ready to be like, okay, I'm done. And like, I kind of just like threw it out the window and it was like, no more excuses. Cause like after I had my daughter, there was the excuse of she isn't going to church because she has postpartum depression. And I just kind of played along with it. Like I was like, oh yeah. So it was kind of just to the point where I could be like, oh yeah, no excuses. Like I'm not going anymore for a while. I tried to hold on to Christianity, but the shelf as they call it, like in the Mormon religion, when you have doubts, they're like, no, like take your doubts, put them on your shelf and leave them there. And so like, you know, when so many doubts pile up on the shelf, like your shelf breaks. And it's funny because I really didn't have 
that like super shelf breaking moment till within the last six months where I was like, didn't believe in God. I didn't believe in this religion anymore. I'm totally living a good, happy life. And I don't know, something just like hit where I was like, oh my goodness. I've actually been working through a lot of emotions of deconstructing my religion within the last six months. And a lot of it is just because of the way that I was raised in general. Would you say the shelf breaking moment in the sense that deconstructing things is an asking why questions in the religion or what does that mean for you? Yeah, I feel like asking why, but also seeing it for what it is. I totally understand that the LDS religion makes a lot of my family and friends happy. And like, that's why they go and they feel like they're a part of something and it makes them happy and they believe in God and they believe in Jesus. Like that is so great for them. But like, I guess I never really asked the questions like, why did I believe in God? Why did I believe in this church? Why did I go all the time until very recently? It's funny because a lot of it is like, why did I go all the time? Because I was told to. Why did I believe in God? Because I was told to. Like a lot of people who have these testimony building experiences who are like, you know, this, this is why I believe in God. I never like had those things. Mine was always like, because I was told to. And I think a a lot of modern day Christians have gone through that too. Especially if you grew up in church, say I'm kind of on that same spectrum of like, I grew up in the church. What's my why? Someone didn't pick me up on the street from doing drugs. And now all of a sudden Jesus has saved me. And so I'm a big proponent of everything in life. What is your why? Do you know why you believe? Do you know why you're in this relationship? Do you know why you want to get married? Is it because this is what my community has told me? Or is it something that I genuinely want? I think that's what's so great about your story. So for anybody who's been listening to your story, maybe it relates to you on any of the topics that we've touched on from like being in a religion that you're no longer a part of or being in a marriage that is no longer working. I mean, is there anything you would want to tell those people who are relating to you at this point or maybe just are more curious as to what advice you would give? Ask the questions and trust yourself. I didn't say this while I was telling my story, but there was a point in, I think it was like a week before I got married where I texted one of my friends and I said, hey man, I don't think I can do this. And I think a lot of it didn't necessarily have to do with my ex-husband telling me he had same-sex attraction at that time. It was more, I'm 20 years old and I am getting married and committing my whole entire eternity to someone. It's not just till death, it's your whole entire eternity. Looking back at it now, I wouldn't have done things any differently, but I would listen to your gut, ask the questions, just make sure that what you're doing is really what you want to do. Because at the end of the day now, my ex-husband did what he really wanted to do. And I am so happy for him. Me and him get along really well. We co-parent really well. I couldn't have asked for a better person to co-parent with. And then his, his now husband too is fabulous as well. Like I love them both. And like, there's no ill will there, but I just feel like work through it, ask the questions because at the end of the day, you don't want to look back at life on your deathbed and be like, I wish I did that differently. Or I wish that I did this because that was more true to myself than what I ended up doing. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I'm so fascinated by Mormon culture, especially after like the Mormon mom talk scandal came out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was like balls deep in Mormon talk where people were sharing their horror stories. You know, I'm on BYU talk where people talk about derfing and soaking and all that weird stuff. Oh my goodness. Is that real? Can we end on that note? Is that real? It is 100% real. So I didn't go to BYU, but my fiance did. I asked him, I said, I was like, you gotta tell me. I was like, is soaking a thing? And he goes, I never participated, but yes. And I was like, okay, have you heard of gazing parties? What is a gazing party? Or Mormon young adults will go to these parties.
parties and take off their clothes and look but not touch pretty much. And so I asked him, I said, are gazing parties real? And he goes, again, while I never participated, yes, they are real. And I just died. So yes, it's 100% real. It's how teenagers and young adults try to find loopholes in the rules to do what they want. I've never understood, without getting too detailed, I've never understood how the soaking and the derfing ever made sense. Because I'm like, you're literally doing it. You're literally doing everything except for some minor, minor details. And the gazing thing, it's like, just go to Google. Right? (laughs) Next week on The Breakup Breakdown. We were together for 10 years. In a total blindside move, my husband at the time looks at me and goes, you know, I think I'm polyamorous. My sister and her best friend came over to visit. After they left, he told me that's who I want to be our girlfriend. It's the thruple from hell. Nearly 10 years into their relationship, her husband decided one day, not only did he want to have a girlfriend, he wanted his wife to be in a relationship with this girl too. Let me tell you, this was a really interesting conversation. Tune in next week to hear the full story.